0: It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break, down, break down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson.
1: Hour number two of the bottom line underway this Friday afternoon, 547-1610. If you would like to get involved in the program, also via email, 610kona.com. Bottom line on Twitter, at Bottom Line 610. Uh, Our poll question for today, of course, we still have the donkey of shame yet to come. Don't want to miss that. Um, but our poll question for today has to do with our sister state to the south. state of Oregon announced yesterday they're bringing back sports betting as part of their lottery after a long absence. Yeah. Should Washington State consider sports betting as a way to generate revenue? Because we all know how bad we got popped in this last legislative session. Is that something that could, could convince some that there is revenue there that they do not have to put forward onto the rest of us. Um, For a long time, Oregon was one of those grandfathered states. It was Oregon, Delaware, Nevada, and there was one other one that was able to do sports betting because they had already had something in place before it it hit the court systems. And Oregon's lottery, what they used to do was because I I would go down and do it. It was fun. A couple of us would go down on Fridays during football season, and we'd stop off at a, a place right off the exit, have lunch, and pick football games. And it was a part of the lottery. You filled out a ticket just like you did for the regular lotto, and you'd submit it. Put a certain amount of money, and you know, depending on how many games you picked and you got right, would depend on you know if you won or you didn't win. And then, uh, I think it was a little bit more than 10 years ago, the NCAA, the state of Oregon, was looking to attract them to Portland for a Sweet 16 setup. Yeah. And the NCAA said, yeah, you got sports betting. We're not coming. Well, what if we get rid of it? Okay, then we'll come. Well, Oregon got rid of it. And the NCAA had their Sweet 16 in Portland that year. And it's been gone since then because of that aspect. But now, with the U.S. Supreme Court decision saying that eh, every state can do it, there's no
2: big deal. Oregon is now reintroducing it, and they're doing it online. I was going to say that it's it's a little different. That they're it's a little they're, bit different. They're doing. A, they're in fact they're the first in the country to go this route with completely online uh, sales and gameplay. And it from a from a technological standpoint, it's it's kind of interesting. They're going to have. Uh, geolocation services um, as a part of the Oregon Lottery scoreboard play to make sure that all of the action is occurring within the state boundaries and complies with the state regulations. Right. So all, you know, those nice little uh, locators on your phone, you know, that you use to you know, use uh, Google Maps or or whatever to uh, to find a location. Your your phone has a homing device, so you'll be able. They'll use that technology to make sure that you are placing bets within the boundaries of the state of Oregon. And it's going
1: it's going to resemble some aspects of what is available to those who game in Vegas. Okay, you'll be able to bet on a single event. You'll be able to bet on a parlay, which is chaining two or three, four or five together to increase the amount you could win based on the amount that you bet. Um, An in-game that you can bet when a game is started. It'll offer similar things like Vegas as well. money line bets, point spread bets, over-under bets, and prop bets. You'll be able to do it on mobile. You'll be able to do it at kiosks, and lottery retailers will also be able to use parlay and single event aspects so you could go to one of those places, make a bet, and then see if you win. So that's where people that live out of state would be able to go and take advantage of the Oregon lottery system with this new sports book. You'd have to travel into state to do it, but you would be able to do it. Well, (laughs) folks around here, that's, what, a half-hour trip? Yeah, it's a half-hour trip. Um They're expected to have it up and running before the start of the NFL season next month. That's their goal. That is the goal is to have it it up and running.
2: It's going to be all the professional leagues. Um, You know, it's going to be NFL, NBA, baseball, uh, even the Major League Soccer. Even NASCAR is going to be. You could bet on NASCAR. So any of the pro uh, professional sports in America, you'll be able to place a bet on in Oregon in New Jersey 80 percent
1: of the market for betting is online and mobile
2: 80 hmm. percent you know, the folks in Oregon probably saw that and 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 said to themselves this is the way to go that's where they got it from they're looking year one at 35.5
1: million dollars They're expecting with a full year under their belt, they'll raise $100 million in sports betting alone. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this takes off Mm -hmm. and how well this does. Because we know that in Vegas, it is a billion-dollar industry. Mm -hmm. Is it going to hurt Vegas a little bit? It may. Maybe. But in all truth the heavy hitters, the big bettors, the professional gamblers aren't going to stop going to vegas. No. So this is going to take the once a year traveler, twice a year traveler. This is going to take the the the, the couch person, uh the guy that does football pools at work, you know, the you know the girl that does mock competitions amongst friends people that do fantasy sports. It's going to attract those people to do this. And I have a feeling that Oregon's projections are low. Well, I really have a strong feeling their projections are low. I think they're going to make more than $100 million in their first full year of, of online gaming.
2: Well, everybody underestimated uh, how much pop money was going to be coming into yes. states, too. Well, the other thing with this, though, is again, you're going to have to physically be in the state of Oregon. Yes, so Washington, Idaho, California, people in those states, especially the border towns, will be able to easily access Oregon and take a part take part in this. You're not going to have, I don't imagine people traveling. Super far to just to do this. I mean, why not just, you know, go to Vegas then, right? But I, I think there'll be a significant amount. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, is gambling big in Oregon? I mean, but here's the you, other. You see what I'm saying? Because it's, it's it's going to have you. to. It's going to have to rely on. Oregonians, for the most part, placing bets and getting a bit of a bump from border towns in Washington, Idaho, and California coming into this state. Is is there enough there to sustain that? I don't know. But here's the thing. It's not just limited to sports.
1: You could play poker. You
2: could play online
1: casino games. It's not just limited to sports. So any kind of online gaming you want to do and online poker is still big.
2: So but you don't have to go to Oregon to do that, though.
1: In order to be able to bet money, you oh, do. bet actual money. Absolutely you okay. do. So you're talking about people now being able to, and, I, and I'm sure the tribes aren't overly thrilled about this. Yeah because, yeah, because, I mean, look, depending on, on which one that you're targeting, you may not make that drive to Wild Horse. You may stay home and play on one of these Internet sites. And that and guess what? That sales tax revenue that's going to the state, that wasn't necessarily going there before
2: because the tribes don't pay state sales tax. I'm glad you brought up the tribes because this new uh, setup is is not good on tribal lands. You can play the Oregon Lottery scoreboard within the state boundaries but not on tribal lands. So that that could that you know you could see people moving away from the tribal casinos and into you know the non-tribal lands in Oregon to to do this. I, I it's it's going to be an interesting test case I think. And you got to think that other states are going to be watching closely, like Washington. Washington and Oregon always have this unwritten battle. You know, if one state does something, the other state usually follows suit if it shows any modicum of success. This hour brought to you by Perfection Tire with four Tri-Cities locations to serve you. This is the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA.
0: Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom line's page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meets in Basin City.
1: Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610kona, 5471610. If you want to get involved, you can also hook up with us via email, 610kona.com. Which Jim, listening in Pasco, did. He's like, I always resonate with Jim from Washtucna. Given his latest email, I'd like to nominate him as
2: Jay Inslee's replacement. <laughs> so there you go, Jim. Jim from Washtucna will like that, I'm Yes, sure. absolutely <laughs> he will.
1: So thanks thanks for that email, Jim. We're also on Twitter at BottomLine610, where our poll question for today is, Oregon is bringing back sports betting as part of its lottery after a long absence. Should Washington State consider sports betting as a way to generate revenue? We did get a message from Chris, who's listening to us. He said, Bernie Sanders is popular with Gen X. Not for his social views, but because he, well, he sounds like the aardvark from the Pink Panther cartoons. Every time he talks, it's the only thing I can see. Love you guys, appreciate it. Chris. Wow. <laughs> that,
2: that you know, I I appreciate uh, off the beat references. That, was, uh, yeah, that I, was that was that was out there.
1: I absolutely appreci- appreciate the deep pop culture references. It's fantastic. Um, you know, I think this is going to be something that eventually. The Washington State Legislature is going to have to look at. And while on the West Coast, it hasn't seen as much excitement from state legislatures as it has in other areas like in the South, the East Coast, and even to a degree, the northern part of the country. But there is revenue there. And I understand that there are a lot of people out there that are certainly against gambling. There are a lot of people out there that are against marijuana. There are a lot of people out there that are anti a lot of things that we have legalized in the state. And the, the libertarian aspects of me say that if there is something, and I'm going to try and put this the right way, if there is something out there for an individual to involve in that will not cause harm to the public at general, then it's something that you that that can be considered for an individual to follow and use uh at their liberty and leisure, and they deal with the ramifications and repercussions if they can't manage it properly um, There are some things that to me that don't fall under that aspect so when it comes to something like this, um you know, I I've I've been known to plunk a couple of bucks down in Vegas on a couple of games when I've gone there. But I don't plunk everything I have down on it. I don't turn around and wonder if I'm gonna make my mortgage payment because I put fifteen bucks down on three football games. Um One of the things that we've done as a society, and we continue to do more and more, and we hear the term nanny state, there are things that we have gone overboard in, in some ways to regulate the behavior of adults, simply because many people in government feel like it's the government's job to tell you how to live your life and what you should do. That the government knows better than you, and that we have to figure some way to validate our existence. So we're going to create a bunch of laws to tell you how you live your life because we have to. Otherwise, it doesn't look like we're doing anything. And if you really go back and you look at this state, we have got things that are so regulated that it's insane. And we have other things that aren't even anywhere close to being regulated at all. So when it comes to something like this, I think that there should be a discussion. I think it should be a deep discussion. And it should be something that should be looked at. And the pros and the cons weighed. But ultimately, it comes back to personal behavior and responsibility. And if you as an individual can't be accountable and can't be responsible, it's like everything in life. Don't do it. If you can't be accountable and responsible, don't own a pet. If you can't be accountable and responsible, don't have kids. If you can't be accountable and responsible, there's a lot of things in life you shouldn't do or think about pursuing. But if you can be accountable and responsible, and it's something you've done previously or something you believe that you can do as a leisurely thing and a recreational thing, okay. We already have legal gambling in this state. You can go to a tribal casino. You can go to a mini casino. You can go to a card room. And you can gamble. We already have that in this state. And I'm sure that the state requirement that that little plaque be by every front door that says, if you have a gambling problem, please call this phone number.
2: That sounded like a cartoon character, too.
1: All of those signs have cobwebs on them from lack of use. (laughs) People that walk into a casino know exactly what they're doing. Okay? Most handle it just fine. Those that have a problem, more often than not, don't realize they have a problem. Like every, like many other things in life,
2: I just I, I shake my head because this is just another example of how the government, whether it be state, state or federal, is trying to find new ways to have to exert power over the public through taxation, money and exploiting problems in some cases. The state of Oregon has already started to spend the anticipated money that they're going to get in the taxes from from this venture that hasn't even started yet. They say that they're going to get about $330 million a year. That's That's the amount of revenue that they expect to bring in. For this online sports betting venture, and whether people do it responsibly or not, say it's like I'm. It's like I, I'm in this weird twilight zone. We've had this discussion about marijuana too. Mm-hmm. Well, people are going to do it, so we might as well tax them and make some money off of it. Yeah, because power and money are the only things that seem to matter to. Governments, I mean, there were there were people. Don't forget control. Well, the, the they, they goes hand in hand. Power control through the vehicle of money slash taxation. And so great if you want to, if you want to place a bet in Oregon online, you can do it, and you know or not. And we can have a debate about whether that's a good or a bad thing, but just know this. At the end of the day, a chunk of that money that you're paying is going to go into the state of Oregon, and they've already spent it. Just like if you want to buy some pot in Washington or Oregon, or if you want to do any of these other things, everything and anything is taxed at the state level, and this is just another example of it. And it's just, it's about power, control, and money. End of story. One of the
1: problems that we've begun to see in a number of states, Oregon and Washington are not exempt from this, is lack of funding available in pensions. One of the things Oregon is hoping to do with this money is to help fund those pensions. But how did they get to this point? Mismanagement lack of paying attention, and a lack of responsibility. And it seems to me that there is more personal responsibility that exists among the voter base than there is amongst those that are making the laws in a lot of cases. But that's just me. Five four seven one six ten is a number.
2: Got plenty more ahead this hour, brought to you in part by Ben Franklin Transit, going new places. Visit them at BFT.org. More of the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA.
0: Now, back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the legendscasino.com hotline 509 547 1610.
2: You can email us, too. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. And, uh, Rob, we've we've all become keenly aware of the term fake news. Yes, we have. And, you know, spotting fake news is not quite as easy unless you come in with a preset uh, set of Thoughts in your head and and bl- blanketly saying, well, all this is fake or all this over here is fake. Uh, that's not fake, uh, but this is fake. Now we have the University of Washington to thank in advance. Oh, good for what they are about to do for all of us. Well, that's the, nice. That's right. The University of Washington, thanks to a five million dollar investment. By the Knight Foundation. That's not Phil Knight and Nike, by the way. They are creating the Center for an Informed Public that's launching this fall. Their goal, you may wonder, to, quote, resist strategic misinformation, promote an informed society, and strengthen democratic discourse. Now, I don't think it's... It, it's Democrat with a small d. like yes. Like a more... You know, it's not a big d-democratic Although you wonder at University of Washington, this all came about from one class that was taught at UW this last year uh, entitled calling bull blank, pucky, crap, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. but, but not that. And in that class, they supposedly taught students how to spot misleading information in the press. And now they're parlaying that into an entire center dedicated to finding fake news. The professor who taught the class will, of course, be the the center's first director. Now, my first thought is, if this is done in an unslanted way, this could be a good thing. Because we know that there's fake news out there, right? But I'm a little hesitant to jump on board. One, it's at the University of Washington. Number two, the whole thing is funded by the Knight Foundation. I don't know anything about the Knight Foundation. I haven't looked it up or anything like that. But if if you are giving a university $5 million, of your foundation's money, you're going to want some influence. So if the Knight Foundation is left-leaning or right-leaning, guess what the center is going to be? Left-leaning or right-leaning, depending on the foundation. Either way, if it's leaning in anything, in any direction, other than down the middle... It's it's gonna it's gonna be a complete waste of time, and I'll just go back to shaking my head.
1: You know what I think is interesting about this is it really assumes the ignorance of people in general. Um, well, we know that people are easily influenced, easily, I mean, we, but but I don't think it's as difficult to spot fake news as they do. Well.
2: I, I don't, I don't know, man. Okay. I I just I, I'm thinking.
1: Look, I have seen plenty of things reposted on social media that have some outrageous claims in their headlines. Yeah. And the first thing I look at is where is it coming from. And if That's I, you though you're an intelligent human being, if I don't recognize where it's coming from, or I'm reading it and I'm thinking to myself. This does not sound like it is based in any kind of a factual discovery. I dismiss it. Let, I, let I'm me, not
2: going to to give it any more time. Let me pose this if I may. There is significant proof that the Russians tried to influence the last presidential election through a social media platform campaign. ...of disinformation. Yes. Who it was swaying towards, what the ultimate goal was, who was paying for it, who knew, who didn't. I don't want to get involved with that. We were also told by, I think, the Mueller report and others that this is going on today. Why do you think the Russians are still doing that? Maybe because they were successful the last time in swaying the public of the United States of America enough that they're going to try to do it again and are doing it again. So although there are in a lot of incredibly smart people out there, Rob. Oh, yeah, there's some that aren't. Oh, more than some. There's a few. A couple More handfuls. than few. More than few. There's, <laughs> there's I, a lot. But I would put forward it's not just Russia. Okay. It's that's, not just Russia. But my point is. I wouldn't be surprised if we're not doing it. Okay, fine. But again, why? Why was it successful? And why why are they doing it again? Because it was successful. And why was it successful? Because people are gullible. People believe everything they see and immediately make a knee-jerk reaction. They don't look at where the information's coming from. They don't, for the most part, our listeners excluded, of course. They don't do their own investigation. They see a headline. Oh yeah, that sounds about right. And then any any headline after that 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 goes against it, even if it's completely based in fact, fake news. It's fake news. So yeah, I think that there is a need for something like this at the UW. But forgive me if I'm a bit skeptical. If a liberal state university in Seattle getting five million dollars from the Knight Foundation is going to lead us into the path of of enlightenment when it comes to fake news. But here's 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 one of the other problems
1: that I, I see with this is instead of doing this, creating this program or this this department at the university to focus on this. Why don't we just focusing on educating people, period, instead of focusing on educating people about fake news? Because if we actually spent more time educating people and delivering and reinforcing things like common sense and logical deduction, we wouldn't have this problem in the first place because people would be able to spot it, but because we have done such a horrendous job of educating, we have people that are graduating school that don't have the ability to discern for themselves things that somebody doesn't tell them they should be discerning. That's a bigger
2: issue to me. I agree completely that it's, you know, this is, the fact that it's it's at the College level that this is taking place, <laughs> which you could certainly argue, and UW is is a part of it, that some of the problems either began or exacerbated at that level, cranking out young adults that are so gullible towards fake news. Now they're going to turn around and take a nice fat donation from a, from a foundation to uh, make us all see fake news. I swear to you, if the if the results are that, you know, it go after anything heavily swayed on the right or the left, I'll be able to pick out the fake news. It'll be that stupid center that they're going to open up in the fall. <laughs> That'll be the fake news. You know, and, and, and that raises... You know, you're, you're continued... And I hate that term, by the way. You yeah, know I, I do. No, Your
1: continued raising of that point, though, does bring up an interesting
2: element to this. Well, thanks. I figured if I said it enough, you'd say so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> it's been a long week.
1: Is this going to be used to actually help people identify what a fake news story looks like, components of a fake news story, identifying news agencies that may or may not be legitimate, or is this going to go to singling out particular
2: types of stories that lean in a direction? That's right. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of, is it's going to go to reinforce the left's idea that all of Fox News is evil. Exactly. Or... The opposite, but probably not. Yeah, I mean, it's, instead it's, of instead of teaching people to say critically think and and do the things that you're doing, Rob, look, you know, consider sources and look at that, and maybe go and get a second or a third source on a story, or do some research on your own. If it does that, then wonderful. Okay, then wonderful. But I have a bad feeling about this that it's going to be influenced. By this foundation, because they're footing the bill as a mechanism to say, see, even this center uh, that calls itself, uh, you know, the the fake news police says that Fox News or Breitbart or any of the other right leaning news people, eh, that's all fake news. See, we told you the first time they don't treat a story. About
1: Donald Trump, the same way they treat a story about Kamala Harris, you've
2: failed. And I want to. I'm. I'm holding. I'm holding off judgment. I truly am. I have a feeling, given my personal history in this industry, and just because I'm so woke, right? I'm so you're woke. very woke. I'm very woke. You know, because there, I, so- I'm. I'm actually. I would like to see what comes out. I have an inkling, however, of how it's going to turn out. I could be wrong. You know how woke things are now, Ed? How woke things? Is that a Is that like a, a joke? Is this a punchline coming? You know how woke
1: things are right now? Tell me. I just read a story today that a polar bear at the San Diego Zoo apologized for his white privilege. That's how woke <laughs> things are.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how woke things are, my friend. Polar bears are apologizing for their white privilege.
2: If pol- if polar bears are uh, okay, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not. I was. I was. Oh man, there's so many things going. On. My my built-in <laughs> sensor and filter is working overtime right now. You should know that. All I'm gonna say is the confusion amongst the penguins is off the charts. 5471610 is the number. I'm waiting for the
1: Grizzly Bears to launch a campaign against Dan Newhouse saying he's racist for not wanting to put them back in the North Cascades.
2: Oh my God. Uh, donkey of Shame is next. <laughs> Stay with us.
0: Look up with The Bottom Line on Twitter, at BottomLine610. Now, back to the show. Presented by McCarry meets in Basin City.
1: Bottom Line is Radio sixteen k one a Final few minutes here on your Friday afternoon. We'll let you know if you're thinking about jumping into the housing market, if you're going to buy or you're going to sell, or you even just want to take a look. Get a hold of Jennifer Mons at Windermere Real Estate. It's Jennifer M-O-N-D-S. Hit her website, put a .com on the end of that. You can check out the listings she has. You can also shoot her an email. Ask her some questions about the process. Ask her some things that you may have been wondering about, about where the market is right now. She'll answer your questions. She'll help you whether you want to sell, whether you want to buy. She'll also give you some very, very salient tips on how to make the moving process easier as well once that home is bought or sold. Very highly recommend Jennifer Mons with Wintermere Real Estate. Visit her website: Jennifer M O N D S dot com. Her goal is to exceed your expectations. Put her to the test. Time for the donkey of shame. It.
2: Yeah, you want to go first, or you want me to? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. My donkey of shame is the today is the Tesla car company. The Tesla car company. Yes,
1: Elon okay. Musk. Okay. The reason okay. why is Tesla apparently uh, has designed a feature in their cars to keep parked car cabins cool so you can leave your dogs and kids in the car. (laughs) Unfortunately, unfortunately, there was a potentially dangerous design flaw in that feature. Oh? Yes. Do tell. Yes. Well, he found that the air conditioner would be turned off if he manually adjusted the fan after engaging it. He was alerted to the problem when he checked his app. Because, after all, let your dog sit outside in 100-degree weather. You can always check that on your phone and see how he's doing. Yes. Um, He saw that the temperature in the vehicle reached 85 degrees. Whoops. Yeah. So instead of preaching responsibility, which we've been trying to do for years when it comes to people leaving dogs and kids in cars with the windows rolled up, no, let's just put a feature in a car, make an app for it and encourage you to leave your dogs and kids in the car when you go into a store with the windows up because, well, our car will take care of them for you. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong with that? (laughs) Tesla? Wow.
2: You're on the donkey of shame. And by the way, it's got a very hot seat today. Yeah, that's right. There's no app for that. No, there's not. Uh, And, you know, you would think that, you know, Tesla... You know, there's some smart people that work at Tesla. Apparently uh, not. Well, maybe just book smart and not street smart. Uh, my donkey of shame, it's going to have to be, uh, it's going to have to make some room. My donkey of shame riders are the entire Italian Supreme Court. All of them. The Italian Supreme Court, I don't know if you've heard this or not. They recently issued the latest, uh, socialistic ruling to enslave their uh, masses because they said that children can no longer bring packed lunches to school. What? They can no longer bring bag sack brown bag lunches to school. They must eat the cafeteria style food. Wait, this is a country's supreme court. Italy.
1: That ruled on school lunches. Yes. And said that all kids have to eat the same
2: PB&J. Whatever the school is serving, and parents say it was costly. Shocking, right? The Italian court is making parents pay for an expensive cafeteria lunch. But that's not all of it. The reasoning behind the ruling was because, quote, The packed lunch, bringing a packed lunch to school was, quote, a possible violation of the principles of equality and non-discrimination based on economic circumstances. So is the next ruling going to say they all have to
1: go to school dressed the same in the same color clothes and the same outfits?
2: Oh, give them time. I mean, that started what? Wait, wait, that was a big thing in Germany in the late 20s, wasn't it? I've I've heard that. Yes, yeah. I, I, I've heard that in history. Because kids were allowed to bring their own sack lunch, because, again, the school lunch was too expensive. Parents were instead giving their kids sack lunches in Italy. Well, not too long before people started noticing little Johnny and little Susie didn't have the same lunch. They were bringing Johnny's was much more because Johnny came from a a affluent Italian family and Susie didn't exactly have a lot of money. So she was bringing not a great sack lunch because of that inequity is why they're banning sack lunches altogether. There is no chance that there will be any lunch shaming when everybody, like robots, is getting the same expensive lunch in schools in Italy. And that is why, Italian Supreme Court, you ride my donkey of shame. I guess if you're going to put a positive spin on this, it's all Italian cuisine.
1: Doubtful. Chicken parm. I Maybe doubt it's the
2: good stuff. Pasta vizzou. I doubt rigatoni, it's being catered. Ravioli. I don't think it's being lasagna. catered by Olive Garden. It's not. That's not a real Italian food. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Obviously, you're I, not Italian. I don't think it's any of the good stuff that comes from Italy, and it's expensive. And now parents have no choice. Wow, Thanks, Italy. That's all for the bottom line. All your news, weather, and traffic next on the Afternoon Report.